UCLA basketball going to Maui? We'll talk about that being a springboard to this season. And are you still confused about UCLA football scheduling and Big Ten play? We'll talk about that too, all on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Yoxheimer. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Thanks for making your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen slash watch. And become an everyday listener to the Locked On UCLA podcast. Good content just about every day, about three times a week during the offseason in the summer. You know, I talked about UCLA basketball in the open, but we're going to start with UCLA football today. I know I talked about the the football schedule yesterday but let's go a little bit more in depth as to the reasoning why the big 10 made the schedule and designed it the way it was during the first two seasons from 24 to 25 at least when what they initially announced and i was reading an espn article which described it as many different applications and different publications would the flex protect plus and this, no, isn't the newest phone or the newest app or whatever add-on it could be. It's the Flex Protect Plus, a high-tech, innovative definition to simply say the Big Ten went through every different school and decided, hey, which rivalries do we want to keep? Which teams do we want to play in the first couple of years? How do we limit the travel for both UCLA and SC, protect our Big Ten big-time football schools, and protect important rivalries to the regional areas, which beyond UCLA and SC are very important to the states of Michigan, right? Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and even those other Midwestern schools that they try to really balance. And almost every team in the Big Ten has some sort of trophy and award for winning a rivalry game. But in this new day and age, they had to scrap that because they all wanted the money, the big bucks, the big TV deal just to bring in UCLA and SC. And amongst the sacrifices go the local rivalries, the heated energy, and all those new things the Bruins and Trojans will have to acclimate themselves when making the big jump from the West Coast into a new climate, literally and figuratively, of the athletic world, basketball, football, and everything in between as the Trojans and Bruins do something pretty ridiculous. In 2024, which is when the Big Ten move will happen for UCLA and SC, it's the beginning of the Flex Protect Plus. They've had these protected games. Of course, UCLA and SC will be protected because, A, they're the closest two teams. After flying thousands and thousands of miles, the Bruins will have one game where they can take a bus and go across the street, literally, and play their bitter rivals in 2024. But let's take a look at those rivalries between the Big Ten teams. You've got Michigan-Ohio State, UCLA-SC, Minnesota-Wisconsin, Indiana-Purdue, Michigan State-Michigan, Iowa-Minnesota, Illinois Northwestern, Iowa Nebraska, Maryland Rutgers, Iowa Wisconsin, and Illinois Purdue. And while Michigan is always important in there, you notice Iowa's on there three times, a lot of Midwest rivalries. And then you also hear one Big Ten team, Penn State, is not on there at all. So you've got 11 protected rivalries. I've kind of come on this podcast a few times before and said, hey, the Big Ten might do this scheduling model where you have three opponents that are your designated rivals. Instead, you have protected games, and you have the four and five split. You play five home games one year, 
and then four next year, thus meaning four road games one year, and then five road games the next. UCLA has more home games in year one against big-name opponents in 2025, a much quote-unquote easier schedule, as I discussed in the most recent episode, but still, there is a lot le- there's a lot more travel and moving parts to that 2025 season. What is called two plays, two plays, no, not two plays in a game, but two plays is something that will change in the 26-27 cycle, where there's going to be a team that UCLA and SC will play in back-to-back seasons. So in some instances, you'll see UCLA play one team one year, and a different team the next year in that same spot where say they were going to play Nebraska in 23 and 24 normal years, the Bruins would have to play Nebraska and someone else on the road the next year. So something called two plays is where you're going to get one team playing another in back-to-back seasons just to protect all these rivalries for the conference to make money and everything in between. They had considered no protected games, one to three protected games and decided, hey, over 171 versions of this Flex Protect model uh, where the Big Ten reviewed all these different analytics, what's going to make the most money, what do the fans care about most, and in different ways, you also want these teams to play every year. You've got now 16 teams in the Big Ten Conference. How are you all of a sudden going to get teams not playing for a decade. You need all these teams to play each other, go to Los Angeles, or UCLA's got to go to Maryland. They've got to go play Rutgers, and every team's got to fly every which way in order for this conference to truly work and feel like a unified thing other than just a money-making Goliath. And I think in this new day and age, the Big Ten did their best. How a Big Ten championship will be won, I'm not entirely sure, If there's some semblance of a tie-breaking scenario like the Pac-12 nearly had where it was disastrous, the Big Ten will scrap divisions. There will be tiebreakers implemented at a later date. And if we saw the near fiasco the Pac-12 had where there was this team needs to win slash this one lose and this one win to get in the Pac-12 title game, that that could be a little crazy when you go into divisionless super conferences when teams don't all play the same schedule, and then you've got to put in this lo- this algorithm, this little simple win slash this slash who says what, turning into a champion. It's not the most fair. It's not the most, you know, it's just not fair to the sport. But in the end, money talks. The Bruins decided, along with USC, to go make that big move. And while I'm excited, it is going to be interesting to see who wins out of these top two teams, how those tiebreaker formulas work. In addition to these two plays where there's going to be a team or two UCLA plays twice, back-to-back years, home and road, while rotating other teams in a four-year schedule. It seems a little convoluted. It's tough to think about in an abstract sense, yet UCLA and SC will get to have some big-name opponents. I've already talked about the UCLA 24 schedule, but it is a gauntlet. I just don't think the Bruins will be in competition for the, the extra expanded college football playoff in the next couple of seasons, they could be good. They could be extremely good in the second year, potentially of Dante Moore, when the college football playoff grows and becomes this new thing where it's either been ruined and bowl season will be killed or however it, you know, grows and develops. The Bruins could be set up for success. I, I think it will take a couple years. Year one in the, the big 10 won't be all that fun for UCLA and SC. Remember the Bruins go to Hawaii, they go to LSU, and then they have to go play 
and all these other crazy stadiums where they're flying over thousands of miles just to get to play their nearest Big Ten opponent and then fly all that mileage back and make sure they have no jet lag, practice, get to school on time, and an intense quarter system at UCLA, and still compete. I know you can take tips from playing Hawaii as they have to fly all across the country. It's going to be different. It certainly will. And with the weird tweaks, the Big Ten wanted to do their best to keep the rivalries. They've got teams coming in and out. I think they did their best. It's as good of a model as it could be. It's just trying to explain it without reading it it's tough to in terms to kind of just explain it to everybody, but it's it's fun. We'll see how it goes. The Flex Protect Plus in terms of hmm, what's going on. An article written eloquently by and just beautifully by Adam Rittenberg to try and make everything and make everybody understand it. Just know the Bruins are gonna have to travel a lot. They'll have a tough schedule in 24. And in 25, everybody maybe should be excited for the Bruins' much easier schedule. From what it looks like. We're going to talk about UCLA basketball in a moment, but not before we tell you about bird dogs because bird dogs are the most comfortable shorts. Some have been roasting my style this week. I know it's, they, they think my style doesn't look good. Yeah. I look at the shirt. It's cool. It's got cool designs, but it's about the bird dogs. It's the shorts. They're super comfortable. I'm sitting in the summer. It's humid. It's 90% humidity. Am I comfortable? Can I handle the sweat? Well, with bird dogs, most importantly, they make sure you don't stink. They make sure you look good, and they make sure you're comfortable. They use anti-stink sweating fabric. They make sure, hey, you're cool and dry all day long, whatever you're doing. You can wear them on a date. You've got a truly sculpted look. They've got popping colors. You're going to look good, feel good, and not smell while doing it. You don't think about your shorts smelling, but that's something to think about. Sweating in the nether regions when it comes to the summertime. And bird dogs, well, they make you look good, feel good, and just about everything in between. Birddogs.com slash locked on college. Head there now. Use the promo code locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. Again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You don't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. That's their guarantee. Cruising on into segment two of Locked On UCLA, the Bruins basketball team. I've discussed this before, but I think I want to take a different angle or a different idea and approach to this. UCLA Hoops, they're going to play in the Maui Jim Maui tournament. And how can this team in 2023 use this tournament as a springboard to a good season in 23 to 24? In November of 22, UCLA lost a couple of games. They're out in Vegas. All of a sudden, McCronin screaming, yelling, and the Bruins didn't seem too competitive in a game against Baylor, losing to Illinois on a Friday-Sunday combination weekend. And then all of a sudden, the Bruins rattled off wins, got to the top 10, smacking Maryland at their place, beating Kentucky and Madison Square, racing through the beginning of Pac-12 play. All of a sudden, UCLA became a top 10 team and arguably one of the shortlist teams to contend for a national championship. Now, how can they do that in an early season tournament? It's November, it's Maui, and while it can be fun to be near the beach, you play a lot of games in succession three days in a row from November 20th to the 22nd, and yet how does this team, with still two positions to fill, we're thinking a day Mara is going to be that center, hopes are for Cam Spencer, who is deciding between four or five, maybe six different offers, and teams looking at him as a grad transfer from Rutgers. He, he could be a Bruins star in a year where he's transitioning to make his final year of collegiate ball, 
important to him, UCLA's got two open spots. So while this isn't a full, complete aspect, a Maui Jim Maui Invitational, which has gone on, this is the 40th annual tournament, Gonzaga, Kansas, Marquette, Purdue, Syracuse, Tennessee, UCLA, Chaminade. How can the Bruins use this as a springboard? Well, besides Chaminade, who you never know, a D2 team in any night, if you don't show up, can come and knock you off, is going to be an extremely tough battle. UCLA, you're playing Tennessee has been good year in and year out. A team where if they didn't lose their best player, could have been a national championship team. You've got Syracuse going through transition, but the name value still brings a lot. Think about Duke in North Carolina. They went through coaching changes, and still they've been rather competitive. North Carolina in the national championship game. Duke seemingly on the short list for all these games. And while I'm not saying Duke and North Carolina are important to this conversation, Syracuse, despite a coaching change, could make this tournament interesting in early November. Gonzaga and Kansas, well, those two teams speak for themselves. Marquette was a good team all year long. Zach Eady returning to Purdue. It's a very stacked tournament, arguably, as some might hype it up to be, and I might concur, this could be one of the most blue blood-like tournaments in the Maui Jim Maui Invitational, or the best combined name-brand schools, even with Chaminade in there, as an eight-team field from the 20th to the 22nd of November, And that's coming up. That's in just about five and a half months. All of a sudden, holiday season, feast weeks creeping upon us, football season, college basketball season, the the overlapping part of the fall and winter sports comes together. And that's when all our sports-loving fans gets crazy and loves to just sit on the couch and watch sports from, if you're on the West Coast, 9 a.m. all the way until the clock hits midnight. This is a part of the year where, UCLA, I think they might even go 1-2 or 0-3 in this tournament, depending on how the other teams gel and how UCLA turns this roster over over these last two spots. So from here until the next two spots have been filled, still a bit of a question mark. Yet UCLA can find themselves, until the bracket is released, circling those dates. I know you're going to circle a date whenever they play the SC game, they play Arizona, and everything in between. UCLA has themselves an important weekend. Again, they used that November weekend last year to make that an important switch in their season and became one of the most dominant defensive teams in the country. While they don't have the best defensive player in the country, they don't have a senior leader who was on the short list, it seemed like all year, the watch list for the Wooden Award, Naismith Player of the Year Award, and Jaime Hawkins Jr. This team will be different, but this is a learning weekend to circle. We should watch. We'll be discouraged, I think, after this weekend. I'd be shocked if they win this tournament. Maybe differently in terms of from what I thought earlier when I was thinking Clark might come back. This team could look very different after this weekend. Might be a little shorthanded. Might be a weekend where they don't look too good. But what McCorn has taught us, it's not how they play in November. It's how they play in March. We're waiting for Mara news, even though it might be a little tough for him to get over with him transitioning from his Spanish, from his pro team contract into college ball. Looking to see what Cam Spencer Spencer decides to do as the Bruins need to fill a a guard spot with the departing Jalen Clark staying in the NBA draft, looking to have his career continue in the professional ranks. And then we'll just see how this team turns out, if they can get some key pieces to fill the need that they have in 23 to 24. Other than that, that's all on UCLA basketball. Hall of Fame news, we've got that too. Cruising on into segment three of Locked On UCLA, we've got some 
updates. I didn't really touch on this previously, but UCLA's Hall of Fame class in 2023 has been announced in kind of like an eight, seven person class, which will read quickly from softball all the way to men's volleyball, various sports, all legends in UCLA. So let's go through this quickly. They're honored in the halftime part of the game versus UCLA and Washington State in October 7th. Last year was interesting because I did have a cousin who did join the show, Ed Kazarian, the legendary towel waver, who was a part of that Hall of Fame class in 2022. Now in 2023, here's who the Hall of Famers are. You've got Kevin Craig from 1969 to 72, led the Bruins to three NCAA championships in 69, 71, and 72 in men's volleyball. And he was the first time four-time All-American in any sport, a four-time All-American in any sport, regardless of what it is. He is an absolute baller. Was playing in the Masters World Championship second place beyond his UCLA days and was a coach, goalkeeper, staying, staying involved in the sport for a very long time. But Kevin Craig gets to be in the UCLA Hall of Fame. Got Kerry Forsyth, who is a student athlete, 1990 to 1993 was a walk-on and was competing and earned a scholarship by her second year. And then from 99 to 2023, 24 years, she spanned the, the, the time as the UCLA head coach for women's golf. So Carrie Forsyth is a six time PAC 12 coach of the year winner, four time regional coach of the year award winner, nine regional championships, five PAC 12 titles and 74 tournament Victories, two NCAA championships back in 04 and 2011 for a long time. Bruin playing and in her coaching career. You've got Heidi Moneymaker. Yeah, that's quite the name. Heidi Moneymaker coming in 97 to 2000, two national championships from 97 and in 2000 when she also won two individual titles. She is one of those eight UCLA Hall of Famers. You've got Kelly Rulon, the women's water polo player who from 03 to 07, four NCAA championships, two NCAA and MVP awards in the tournament, and twice was the National Player of the Year award winner and the 2007 Catino Award winner. 70 goals in three separate seasons, third on UCLA single-season scoring record, played in the Olympics a couple of times, winning gold and bronze, and is also a part of the USA Water Polo Hall of Fame. That, Kelly Rulon, is an absolute baller. Randy Swartz, UCLA player, the first ever All-American for UCLA baseball in 63 to 64, was a second team All-America honoree in 63 with a first time honoree in 1964. He's in the top 10 for single season batting average, 386 single season walks with 50 and led his team with batting average hits, doubles, home runs, RBIs, runs scored and total bases in one year and did something just as great in 1964. He was a football player in 62, played in two seasons for the Kansas City Athletics in Major League Baseball. He was quite a star for the Bruins for two seasons. You've got Eric Sullivan from 92 to 95, two national championships for UCLA men's volleyball, 93-95, as a senior in 1995, a freshman All-America honoree, all-tournament team in 94, a co-captain, in 2000 for the U.S. Olympic team playing in 2000 and 2004 and eventually went and continued his career and has coached the U.S. junior national team, was a team leader for a team that won the bronze medal 
out in Rio. So he is an all-time star. Heck, even UCLA men's volleyball winning the national championship this year. So Eric Sullivan has to be proud for that. Bianne Burns-Jacobs, Bianne Burns, when she was a UCLA Bruin in the mid-90s, from 94 to 97, had a career mark of a 1.49 ERA, 591 strikeouts, had 96 career wins, which set a career record, surpassed the great Lisa Fernandez in all-time career wins, and that was a then-school record, ranks third all-time with 98 complete games, fourth in innings pitched, sixth in wins, and in appearances. She was a part of four no-hitters she threw herself and had six combined no-hitters. It was an absolute star. Appeared in the Women's College World Series every season that she pitched. So, Bianne Burns-Jacobs from 94 to 97. Last but not least, we cannot forget Lynn Shackelford from 1966 to 1969. Was a starter on three separate UCLA championship teams. I talked to my father and he said, how has Lynn Shackelford not been in the UCLA Hall of Fame? And I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes you just got a, a waiting list, especially UCLA men's basketball. That list is long. And you're like, wait a minute. That's a star when he played in Westwood. He's finally made it as a three-time champion, was a Final Four All-Tournament team member in 1968. He was an av- he averaged nine points per game, five rebounds per game, went 88-2 and two a part of the Bruins, and he was a part of the 1966 UCLA freshman team with Lou Alcindor, Lucius Harris. That beat the Bruins varsity squad as a freshman team back when freshmen couldn't play college basketball. He then eventually played pro when... He was selected by San Diego in the seventh round of the 1969 NBA draft, played one year in the ABA, and eventually became a broadcaster. So Lynn Shackelford, who was a UCLA player, finally getting in the Hall of Fame, averaged uh, 20 points per game, I believe, in his freshman year, was a super was a star in his own right, eventually getting honored now here in 2023. That is your eight person class for the UCLA Athletic Hall of Fame. Bian Burns-Jacobs, Kevin Cray, Kerry Forsythe, Heidi Moneymaker, Kelly Rulon, Randy Swartz, Lynn Shackelford, and Eric Sullivan. All those equally deserving from volleyball, basketball, baseball, water polo, gymnastics, golf, coaching, and softball. All different ways they've impacted lives of Bruin players, their teammates, been a big impact on the community. So we thank them for becoming Bruins legends. October 7th, they get honored and sworn in for their academic, for the athletic, even academic, and sometimes coaching achievements as an overall Bruin to get into the Hall of Fame for UCLA Athletics. October 7th against Washington State. Make sure to clap your hands, get excited for them as they are a part of a legendary class in Westwood. That's all we got for Locked On UCLA today. We've got more content coming up. Stay tuned for that here in June. Anything that breaks football-wise, basketball-wise, we will be on top of that as well. This has been Locked On UCLA. I'm Zach Anderson-Yoxheimer signing off. Become an everyday listener of the Locked On UCLA podcast. As per always, get those hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U-C-L-A. UCLA, fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.